Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, to the ages of all ages. Amen. Today we saw the question that the Lord asks St. Philip, and he asks us similar questions all the time. It says that when um, he lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. St. Philip's question, or his response to the question, is exactly what we do all the time, or at least myself probably, that we answer the Lord with a human rationale. The Lord asks a question, we answer, hmm, let me see, 1 plus 1 must equal 2, 2 plus 2 will equal 4, if I do this, then this will happen, and we deduct things, and we come up with our logic, and we answer God. The, the point here is that God always has a plan beyond what you are currently thinking. Because if we talk about, you know, people should learn to think outside the box. People talk about that a lot. Think outside the box. Learn to think outside the box. God is the one who created the box. So he's the one who is master of thinking outside of it all the time. We have the box in front of us and we try to fill it up with stuff and think, here's the answer. Let's try this. Let's do that. God says, fine. Some people say that God smiles or laughs even when we are sitting there like beating up our head, knocking, breaking our brain, racking our brain, pulling our hair out, trying to figure out a solution to something. And God says, I have a plan. I have a plan. What is this plan, people ask. People say, what's, what's God's plan? Ultimately, what is the plan? They say, well, the plan is the plan of salvation, right? That every one of us be saved. And in, in God's great plan, the economy of salvation, God did everything he did and is currently doing still as we speak. That there's constantly a work in progress. That's why at the end of the, the healing of the paralytic, what does the Lord say? He says, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. He's always at work. God is always at work for our salvation, one way or another. The question is, are we willing to entrust to him our plans? Say, here, here are my plans. Here's what I have in mind. What do you think? Quite often we tell the Lord, here is my plan. Make it happen. Here's what I want. Make it happen. But that's not submitting to the will of God. That's not saying, you know what you're doing. It's saying, I know what I want. You make it happen. God's saying, why don't you try changing the approach a bit next time? So next time you come to me with your plan, it's fine. Come with me. Come to me with your plan, but tell me, here's my plan. What do you think? Is this a good plan? Is this a good idea? How about we do it this way? Or what do you think? Or should I not do it this way? Or should I wait a bit? We always see like in that story of Abraham with Isaac and the offering, the, the, the sacrifice of Isaac, God provided a solution. Abraham had no idea that he was not going to have to offer his son Isaac. That he, wasn't going, that he was going to find 
a ram or a lamb or a sheep caught uh, in a bush. He, wasn't, he had no idea. Moses had no idea when he got to the shore of the Red Sea that the water would just open up in front of his eyes, right before his eyes. He had no idea. And yet, people still tend to forget these things. Just like, I mean, we can't say anything about St. Philip here, right? We can't criticize the poor man. He offered what he knew, what he could think with this, as we always do, as we tend to do. And it's crazy because at the time of Moses, could you imagine walking across the ocean floor? Could you, you're, you're walking on sea floor, and you have high, high waters on your left and on your right, and you're just observing this. It's like you're walking through some sort of like gigantic aquarium. You see fish, fish swimming right by you. Fish and dolphins and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, oh my goodness, like if this decides to collapse on me at this second, we're cooked. It's over. And yet they kept walking and they were singing the song of Moses and praising the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And they kept going and kept going and they're looking, oh my goodness, like, mommy, look at the beautiful fish. And the mommy, no, shh, forget the fish, we got to get out of here. The children were just excited about the scene and the mommies and the daddies were freaking out. And Moses was just on his way. And yet, after seeing this live in living color, most of them died in the wilderness. Could you imagine? Most of that generation, not the children, but that generation of adults who crossed through and saw it all happen, still doubted the promised land. Out of 12 tribes, one representative per tribe is sent to scope out the promised land, and they're told, go scope out for us the land which the Lord has promised to give to our fathers. And they go. The 12 of them go. They come back, 10 out of 12 Say, no, 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 we can't do this. No way. These are people, they're, they're giants. They're humongous. They're going to crush us. We can't overcome these people. No, 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 no. And they gave a bad report, scared hundreds of thousands of people who had just seen this walk-in aquarium instead of a walk-in closet. That whole generation whew, wiped out because they couldn't, Remind, remind themselves of God, what God had done, what He had just done. And then they get bread falling from heaven, and then forget about it. Then they get quail out of nowhere, and so on and so on. And they saw the plagues of Egypt, right? Just like Pharaoh did. We, come, we, we criticize Pharaoh for having a hard heart, and yet the people of Israel themselves, or humanity itself, could at times have a harder heart than Pharaoh who constantly sees wonders before its eyes and still doubts and still questions and still tries to use deductive logic to figure out a solution to this problem rather than say, God knows what he's doing. Here's what I can do, Lord. Here's what I'm thinking. You tell me, Lord. You guide it for me. It says in Jeremiah, I know the plans. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The Lord tells them this as he's preparing them for their captivity. They were going into captivity. And yet God was telling them, you're not going to be in captivity forever. I know what I have in mind for you. I don't have, my plans for you are not captivity. My plans for you are not to harm you. My plans for you are not to make you fail. When I test you, I don't test you to fail you. 
I don't set you up for failure. I test you to strengthen you. I test you so that you can see and grow, so that your faith, which is like a very delicate muscle, can get stronger. So the next time you face the next test, you know, I know, I know what's going to happen. I, actually, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know who's going to make it happen. This is basically what we're called to say. I don't know the solution. Like sometimes we feel like it is our duty to come up with an answer to every single question in this world. People come up to you, well, if God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? And you have to like give them an answer in 1.2 seconds. Otherwise, your God doesn't exist. Tell them, get lost. Basically, not, in, not as, as offensively as I just said, but in your mind, tell them, shh. Tell yourself and tell them, I don't know the answer, but I know there's an answer. And I know who my God is and what He can do. Too, quite, too often you are pressured to give an answer on demand. And if you don't give the answer they want to hear, well, your God doesn't exist. Your God is not measured in a test tube. He's not measured in the lab. He's not measured by numbers. St. Philip said 200 denarii. 200. So let's quantify how we're going to feed these people. You're not going to feed them with a million denarii. You can't. None of it is going to suffice. None of it. So when St. Paul says this, he means it. We know that all things work together for good. Everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All of it works together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? What is his plan? As we said earlier, his plan ultimately is our salvation. And everything works together for that. Whether we are currently happy with it or not, we have to trust that he knows what he's doing. When you're asleep at night, like can you, can you spend the rest of your life not sleeping? Like can you, can you overcome sleep? Maybe for a few hours, maybe for a night. Maybe two nights, maybe you can just live on pots and pots of coffee and keep you awake. Sooner or later, you're going to fall asleep. Sooner or later, you're just going to knock out and you're going to fall asleep. And you're not going to feel anything till the next time you wake up. What's happening during that period? Those hours when you are snoring and waking up the neighborhood. What's happening with that? What's happening? God is not snoring. Don't think for a second that God is snoring while you're asleep too. He says, okay, everybody's going to, good night, everybody, good night. And he goes into sleep. Never. He's always at work, constantly working to fulfill the plans, the best plans, the perfect plans. He says in Psalm 33, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations, from one generation to the next, from one generation to the next, one generation to the next, one generation to the next, his plans and his, the purpose of his heart stands firm forever. Nothing can thwart the, God, the plan of God. Nothing can change it. Nothing can modify it. You say, well, yeah, aren't we making mistakes? Yeah, but that doesn't stop him. It's not like God has trouble recalculating your plans. It's like we think, you know, I've planned it. It's the picture-perfect plan. Everything is going to work exactly this way. And then Murphy's Law hits. And all things go haywire. I think like God is like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? God starts asking, what are we going to do? Cherubim, Seraphim, what do you guys think? Let's make a plan. Let's make some sort of like partnership and think. Let's get a think tank together and think how we're going to get rid of these problems. 
His plans and his purposes stand firm from generation to generation. He knows what he's doing. He's known what he was doing before you were born. And before your parents were born. And before your grandparents were born. And before he created Adam and Eve, he knew what his plans were. says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew what I was doing. I, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I, you know everything you're doing now in your life? Up until this second, God knew you were going to do. People say, well, that's a bit scary, isn't it? Because that means God knows everything. He knows everything, everything, everything from ever, forever and ever and ever. Yes. So that means I, He knows everything about my future. Yes. Then we get into that debate about free will and predestination. Whom He foreknew, these He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So those whom He foreknew, no one on this planet ever came to this world having been bypassing the foreknowledge of God. Therefore He foreknew everyone and has plans for everyone to enter His kingdom forever. But He also gives us that free will. Otherwise we would be robots or zombies, which we're not supposed to be. And people say, well, where is the promise? And St. Peter answers, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So where is the plan? Don't worry, it's in motion. But God in His wisdom is also giving everyone that opportunity to come to Him. So it's not because it's not happening fast enough for you that it's not happening. It's happening. I assure you it's happening. But maybe we just need to get a, a dose of patience or to develop that patience or that patient faith to know that God's plans are always perfect. He says in Psalm 32, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. It's constantly guiding. And there are those who follow that guidance really well and they get there really fast. And there are those who follow that guidance so-so and get there a little slower. And there are those who resist and use this and they put this at the level of God. Which is like sheer arrogance. Imagine putting this finite brain at the level. Let's put this, let's compare this to the infinite God who created it. Oh my goodness. Talk about the human being's arrogance. The animal world flows in perfect mode all the time with whatever God has instilled in it to function from season to season, generation to generation. And the human being comes in and starts to play around with all of that, thinking he's all that, and messes up everything for the rest of humanity. And he thinks he's wonderful about it. And he's so proud of himself and applauds himself and gives himself a nice tap on the shoulder and tells the world that he's come up with the solution to the world's problems and runs for politics in the highest levels of government in the world and tries to run organizations after organizations after organizations forgetting completely that there is a God. That's why the Lord told Elijah, I'm going to show something through you that will prove that there is a God in Israel. You yourself should say that regardless of what you do in life every day, whatever your vocation, whatever your context. Like we said last week, ultimately your vocation is to be a saint. Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an Uber driver, whatever it is you choose to do in life, ultimately you are a saint doing these things, not the other way around. If we follow the GPS perfectly, there's no recalculating. You just get there. 
takes five hours, you get there in five hours. The more you decide to play around with the directions and change the detours and stop for coffee and stop for donuts, those five hours become five and a half, six, seven, eight, as long as you want, no problem. The GPS will continue to recalculate with perfect precision as long as you are just playing around. But as soon as you take the highway of holiness, that direct path towards the Lord, you get there perfectly on time. Like they say, God is, might be late for you, but he's always on time, according to the divine purpose. So Solomon, who was the wisest, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Stop leaning on your understanding. Lean on your faith. Lean on God. And use your understanding according to what he has given you, but say, Lord, I don't know everything. You do. I trust you. It's hard to say that, isn't it? If I ask you right now this question and think about it in your mind and your heart right now, I'm asking you, I want you to pray right now during liturgy to say, Lord, whatever happens is fine. Whatever you want. I'm sure part of you is like, mm, whatever, that's a, that's a big word. Whatever is a big word. Whatever? Yes, whatever. You mean anything? Anything. You mean like, yeah, like the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario. Are you willing to say that to God? Chances are we can't, right? We're afraid to say that because what if the worst case scenario is my biggest nightmare? What if the worst case scenario is, that means I am again equating my deductive logic, my, you know, Inspector Clouseau or Inspector Gadget or Sherlock Holmes hat on and thinking, and this is how we're going to do this. And I don't know, God. Again, again, God is the one who created the box. He created it. He knows the plans he has for you, plans of good and not of evil, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Then you think, well, what if it's too late? He tells this to you, whispers, I still have a plan. Think it's too late. No, never too late. Whatever it is, God knows exactly what he is doing. Exactly. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Constantly. But the more we follow our inner whims away from the will of God, when we choose to follow our brain and calculate I'm going to do this for a few years. I'm going to save up this much. And by this year, I'm going to have enough to do this and travel there and live there and buy this and do this. The more I construct it this way, the more things happen to tell me, wait a minute, it may not happen exactly that way. So, but I wanted it that way. Yes. But maybe what you wanted will not get you into the kingdom. What do you prefer? That's why the Lord says, what shall a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what shall a man gain in exchange for his soul? Can you give anything in exchange for your soul? What will you gain if you lose your soul? You got everything you wanted on earth. Everything, everything, everything. But you lost your soul. How horrible would that be? Right? So when we hate that thought, or when we despise the will of God in our lives, or when we choose ulterior motives or hidden agendas, we fall flat on our faces. And then we realize, I should have just said, Lord, thy will be done. This morning's Matin's Gospel spoke about that. The Lord said, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light 
That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That his plans have been done in God. He says, the Lord, you know what you're doing. A, friend, a good friend of mine was telling me a couple of days ago a beautiful story. Beautiful story. It just happened to him this week at work. Shall remain nameless. It's a beautiful story. And it happened to him. And it happened with a person who is not even Christian. And that reminded me when the Lord says more than once in the Gospels, he marveled at his faith and said, I have not seen such great faith, not even in Israel. The Lord tells us the same thing today, by the way, but in the context of our Christian world. He says, I have not seen such great faith, not even in the Christians. How horrible it is that the Lord Jesus has to say that to us, that he hasn't seen this, not even in the Christians. When we're supposed to be the ones who promote and live and inspire this faith in others. So he, in his workplace, he had to lay off people in every department he is in charge of. So, of course, he being a God-fearing man, didn't want to lay off anyone, but he's obliged. And they're bringing in people from other, out west to supervise the thing, the restructuring and, 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 and all kinds of... And he's stressed about it, and he doesn't want to do it, but he has no choice. So he starts removing names. Of course, I don't remember the full story and all its details, but to make a long story short... The next morning when the, the layoff list was on the wall, people see their names and they go to the HR office to get their package and pick up their stuff and leave, more or less. So then this person comes in whom they laid off. He wasn't even aware that he was being laid off. And he came in. Remember, he's not a Christian. doesn't believe yet in Jesus. I think he has the, he's, he's on the right track. He's not far from the kingdom, as the Lord would say. He comes in and sits down and he tells my friend and the staff there, he says, so you guys are, are letting me go, right? You guys are laying me off? That's okay. That's okay. Because my God gave me my health and I have my two legs and I can go out and find another job. My God is good and he's taking care of me. He has his plans for my life. Everyone was just, shh, nobody could say anything. What can you say to this man who's not even, again, a Christian? The Lord shows through him greater faith than in the Christians who are supposed to have it all. Where are we when it comes to that, in comparison to that? It says, this is my plan, right? I love this diagram. This is my plan up there. Straight line, checkered flag, we win, done. This is God's plan, actually. That's you, and then you have to jump into the water and swim, and then there's one flag, and you feel like Super Mario level one, and then you go on, and then next level, and then next level. And then, whoa, it looks a bit comp then it's a bit steep. And then, oh, 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 a big drop. And then there's thunder clouds and storms. And then, whoa, I'm never going to get out of this pit. I'm stuck in here for life. So, nope, that's what you think. I know the plans I have for you. Then all of a sudden you're up again, and you're out, and you got to his love, ultimately. Sometimes God doesn't do the things the way you think he should, but God has a perfect plan for your life. Trust God. This is basically what we're called to do. Trust. Trust Him. It's amazing that it could be on a country's currency to trust God. And yet, the currency becomes the God. And it becomes everything for me. And I'm trusting. This is my God. In this I trust. Give it a big fat kiss. Fold it, put it in my pocket. And I think I'm, I'm good to go. Until my pocket burns alive. And all of a sudden, uh-oh, inflation. Uh-oh, interest. Uh-oh, this. Uh-oh, that. And I get scared. Because I was trusting in the wrong God this whole time. 
That's why you have the scriptures. St. Paul calls the Bible the anchor of the soul. As an anchor. An anchor to protect you through the storms of life. St. John Chrysostom says the Holy Scriptures lead us to God and, and open the path to the knowledge of God. As you immerse yourself in the Bible, in the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, and repeat, Genesis to Revelation, repeat, Genesis to Revelation, repeat, over and over, you immerse yourself in the Word of God, you begin to understand it better this time than you did last time, and better next time than today, and the time after than then, and then, and then, you begin to understand. You begin to develop what St. Paul has been saying, but we have the mind of Christ. You begin to develop the mind of Christ. And then you begin to be able to say exactly that. God, I give you my plans. Here they are, Lord. I'm going to sleep. Good night. And you trust and you wake up the next day refreshed and happy because you know that he whom you gave your plans to loves you more than you can love yourself. Loves your wife and kids more than you can love them. And so on and so on and so on. This is basically what you're called to do. It's hard sometimes, but nothing better than that. Because God's plan is better than you could ever imagine. Ultimately, better than you can ever imagine. As difficult and as ugly as it could seem right this second, you need to stop looking up to the tip of your nose and up to your toes and look up and say, you are God, not me. You know what you're doing, not me. How beautiful is it when you see a person submitting to the will of God so that we're not just using vain repetitions. They make fun of us, right? Look at your Orthodox liturgy. Three hours? Well, so, well they, then they try to defend it. Well, it's, not, it's actually two hours and a bit, but then you know, there's more people on Sunday to offer communion to. And then there's this guy that talks for forever. He doesn't stop talking. So it makes it three hours and some. But in reality, it's less than two hours. It's not very long. And they try to defend it. But it's not vain repetitions. We make it vain or not. We can say, Lord, have mercy, vainly, or from the heart. We can pray from the heart, or just say, Our Father, why aren't thy king the come? And like as if I've become the best auctioneer that ever came to be in this city. That's not what we're called to do when we pray the Lord's Prayer. When you say, Thy will be done, it means you believe this. You, you believe this when you say, Thy will be done. Or do you? Or do I? We have to ask ourselves the question. Here's a nice prayer you can think of. God, when I lose hope, help me to remember that your love is greater than my disappointments and your plans for my life are better than my dreams. Could you remember this? Could we say this together? Please repeat after me. God, when I lose hope, help me to remember that your love is greater than my disappointments and your plans for my life are better than my dreams this is it's a very simple equation isn't it so God has another plan just walk on and say yes yes he does amen to that yes he does thy will be done pray it and mean it say it from your heart and mean it so the question for us this liturgy today if we can pray this throughout and pray for those that are going to be joining us later Lord do I trust your plan? Can I really follow your plan blindly? Can I say with St. Paul, I walk by faith, not by sight? If you choose to say yes to that question, then trust it, live it, enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. It's going to be a real doozy sometimes. But trust it. Trust it. God has a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for your life. Be ready for both. Because they're both in front of your eyes most of the time. Be wise enough Learn to discern, as St. Paul says, that we have our senses exercised, 
trained to discern both good and evil. Be wise enough to know which one to battle and which one to embrace. Sometimes we're embracing the wrong plan and we're battling the right one. And yet it should be the other way around. I should embrace the good one, the right one, and battle or resist the bad one. So I think you got the message, right? God has a plan. Always. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.